Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org. We hope you enjoy the message. Well, good morning again to you. My name uh, is John Warnock, as uh, Jay mentioned. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Dogwood. We're so glad uh, that you are here with us uh, this morning to be able to worship God. I'm glad to be a part of the service with you. Um, how many of you guys remember last weekend? Anybody remember last weekend? A few? Man, it was gorgeous weather, wasn't it? it? Especially Saturday. I really don't remember last Sunday very much. But last Saturday was incredibly gorgeous. I mean, the crystal clear blue sky. Uh, there was a little chill in the air, certainly in the morning and definitely in the evening when when the sun went down. And I had the, the, the privilege and opportunity to officiate a wedding for uh, a couple that attends here at Dogwood. But it was up at Lake Lanier Islands. Um, at, at, on a little point out there, and it was I mean, it was gorgeous as they were as they were getting married and all of that. There's sailboats in the background, and I was like, did y'all, did y'all decide for that?" And they're like, "No, it just kind of happened." So, but it was gorgeous. Well, on the way home, I decide, you know what? I'm gonna put the top down on the car and drive home and enjoy this beautiful fall weather. And so, um, I pull off at a little gas station. I get out of my suit and tie because they're just not comfortable. And I uh, put on some sweatpants and a sweatshirt because, again, it's just it's a little cool outside. So I'm going, all right, I'm going to enjoy the ride home. Well, if you've, if you've made that drive before from Lake Lanier Islands back to here, you know that you, 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 I don't even know what the first road is, but then you come to I-985, right? And then you've got to go south on 985. So I start to do that. Everything's all good. A little warning light comes on in my car. It's little, the little battery red light that comes on. And so I went, well, you know, I know that's not a good thing, but my car is rolling and so I'll, I'll get home and I'll take it to the mechanic on Monday and we'll, we'll kind of get things going. Everything's good. Life is good. I'm going down, the, going down the interstate, tops down, the wind's blowing through what little hair I have. And um, the sun's starting to come down. As a matter of fact, at this point, it's at the, the spot in the sky where you take the wrong turn and the sun's like blinding you in your eyes, right? So you can't see uh, very well. So everybody kind of slows down. Well, as we get close to the connector, for those of you guys that aren't from around here, that's I-75 and 85, they come together. Thank you, whoever designed that. Um, they come together, and you go through the middle of downtown Atlanta. So traffic is starting to build. Again, I'm in my little car. I'm going, enjoying things. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to move over to the left-hand lane, the fast lane, right? So I move over into the fast lane. Not the HOV lane because I'm by myself, just in case you were wondering, but the fast lane right next to it. And I'm cruising along. Everything's good. I'm actually listening to the Georgia football game. Looking back on this story, I don't know why I was listening to that. Really not a big fan. I'm sorry for those of you guys that are. But I was listening to the Georgia game. The lights on in Atlanta are starting to come on. And it's just beautiful. It's just gorgeous. My radio goes out. And I went, well, that's not supposed to happen. I wonder what happens. So I you know, push power a couple times, nothing. Continue to go for just a couple of seconds. And all of a sudden, my tachometer goes to zero. And I went, that's really not good. A couple seconds later, my speedometer went to zero. And so I went, I'm in trouble here. I downshift into fourth gear, press the gas all the way down, and there's nothing. I can't rev the engine. I can't do anything. I'm coasting. Y'all have been there in the middle of Atlanta on the interstate. I'm coasting down the interstate. I try to, I'm looking to my left, looking to my right, trying to figure out, can I get over to this lane? Can I get over that lane? I start to move over. Cars go flying that way, and they're rolling their windows down. They're yelling at me and telling me I'm number one. And um, <laughs> what I wanted to be able to do was to be able to, talk nicely back to them and say, who in their right mind chooses to just stop their car in the middle of the interstate, right? 
but yet that's what's happening to me. I can't get out of the fast lane that I'm in. I look up in my rearview mirror, and there's a ginormous um, SUV barreling down up on the, the back end of my car. And so I think to myself, all right, well, let my foot off the brake so that when this thing hits me, I'll at least roll forward and it won't just run straight over the top of me. So thankfully they stop. And so I kind of motioned to them. I said, look, I'm, I'm, they can't hear me because they don't have their windows down. But I'm going, would you stop? Because I'm stuck. I can't move. So then I, I, I get my wits about me. I call 511 and I'm on hold with them for what seems like forever. Uh, if you have connections there, they need more operators, just so you know. Um, so I'm, 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 on the, I'm on hold. Cars are, again, they're flying past. Everybody's yelling and honking their horns and all kinds of stuff. I'm scared for my life, honestly. If you've ever been standing in an interstate or sitting in the car in an interstate as cars are flying past you, that's not a fun place to be. So I'm sitting there. A guy comes up next to me. He's in the HOV lane. He, it's he and his wife that are in the car. And he rolls down his window and he says, hey, are you in trouble? And I was like, yeah, my car is dead in the water. I'm stuck. I can't do anything. I'm, I'm, I'm stuck. What am I going to do? And he goes, okay, I'll help you. He pulls over to the left-hand shoulder, because that's where we were, on the left-hand side of the interstate. He somehow stops traffic on, on the HOV lane. I don't know how. didn't pay attention. It was kind of like Moses, I think. Just kind of walked through and everything parted. But he stopped traffic and he gets out and he helps me push my car over to the left-hand side of the, uh, of the interstate there. I shake his hand. I kind of wanted to hug him, but I just shake his hand. And he's like, man, I got to go. I'm sorry to leave you stranded. I was like, no, man, you're good. You, you helped. So he gets in his car and he leaves. And so I'm thinking in my head, what do I do now? In the back of my mind, I, I, I vaguely remember somebody telling me, if you're ever in a situation like this, go get back in your car. Now, I don't know if that's right or not, so I'm not telling you what to do. So go find it out. Or if you know what to do, you can come tell me later. Um, but I go sit back in my car because I didn't know really where else to go. I wasn't going to play Frogger and try to walk across the interstate. I'm sitting there in the car, and I'm realizing people can't see me. Because remember, my car has no power. My car has no lights. I'm in, a, I'm in a section that, after I called 511, they're looking on the video cameras, and they're saying, Sir, we can't see you at all. And I went, I'm in trouble if I sit here. So I looked to my left. I didn't notice this before. I looked to my left. I'm at the one spot, I think, in downtown Atlanta that actually has a grassy spot between the southbound lane and the northbound lane. Whoever designed that, thank you. I get out of my car and I go stand next to this big pylon of the bridge that goes next to me, kind of right up next to it, in the grass, contemplating about life, all that's going on that day. And so I'm sitting there thinking, and I, and I really, seriously, I start praying. And I'm thanking God that, number one, I didn't die immediately. That, that I didn't get hurt, that my car technically is okay, um, aside from a bad alternator. But I thank him. I thank him for this, for really, for, for him causing my car to make it to at least the grassy spot in downtown Atlanta, where I could get out of my car and somewhat be safe. And I then was reminded of the guy that stopped to help me, who rolled his window down. And literally his words were, are you in trouble? And then I'll never forget the other part that he said, okay, I will help you. And I thought, man, what a picture of who Jesus is for us. Right? This guy who stopped and helped me, he had nothing to do with me. He wasn't the cause of my car breaking down. He, he, had, he didn't know who I was. Yet, he became a picture of who Jesus is for us. And then it reminded me, as I'm sitting there praying and thinking, because I had time, it was about an hour and a half as I was standing there. Um, 
I started thinking about the, the gospel prayer. Specifically, the part of the gospel prayer that we're looking at today that says this, As you have been to me, so I will be to others. As you have been to me, so I will be to others. I thought about this guy. He was a dispenser of God's grace. He's modeling for me what, it, what that prayer means. What it looks like. As God has been to me, I should be to other people. Listen. There are all kinds of people out there stranded on the interstate. And I don't mean literally. But we walk out these doors. Matter of fact, people that are sitting in your sections, there are some of you whose lives feel like they're stuck at the interstate, right? Stuck on there. And we, as followers of Jesus, you know what our responsibility is? Our responsibility is to stop and say, okay, I will help you. We're in a series called The Gospel Revolution. Let me recap for you where we've been so far, and uh, then we'll jump into looking at part three. So where we've been so far in week one, we looked at what does it mean to abide in Christ? What does it mean to rest in Christ? In week two, we looked at how the gospel actually changes us, how it transforms our lives. Then two weeks ago, Pastor Jay Vineyard helped us with the first part of the gospel prayer. And he he walked us through that in Christ, there is nothing that I can do to make God love me more and nothing I can do that will make God love me less. And what freedom there is in that. Then last week, Pastor Keith helped us to study the second part of the gospel prayer. That God's presence are all that we need. God's presence and approval are all that we need for everlasting joy. And then today we move to the third part of the gospel prayer. As you have been to me, So I will be to others. And that is absolutely huge. It's huge if you think about that. I'm overwhelmed by God's goodness and his love for me. And I think to myself, if God loved me that much, I mean seriously, that much, how in the world am I supposed to live that way for other people? Well, today we're going to look at it together. We're going to study it together. And let me just tell you, I don't have it all figured out. God's still growing me in this area. But we're going to learn together. I, I do think I can sum it up this way. I think another way to say that part of the gospel prayer is this, is that you and I as followers of Jesus, we are to live generous lives. We're to live generously. We're to be generous in our forgiveness to people. We are to be generous in our time, talents, and treasure. And we are to be generous at sharing the good news of the gospel. But before we jump into scripture, let me pray for us. Will you pray with me? Father God, Thank you for your tremendous love for us. A love that loves us unconditionally. A love that isn't based on how we act, good or bad. And a love that gives us joy. God, it's also a love that helps us to love others and to be generous to them. So as we study your word today, give us the ability to love people like you do. Help us to live lives that are sacrificially generous in how we forgive. And how we use our lives. And in and in sharing the good news of who you are and what you've done. God, help us to not leave today unchanged. God, we love you because you've loved us. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. The first implication, and where we're going to camp out most of the morning, of this part of the gospel prayer. Again, this part of the gospel prayer is, as you have been to me, so I will be to others. The first implication of that for us is that we are to be generous and our forgiveness. Now, if you're like me, you may initially think, you know what? I don't have much of a problem there. I'm okay. I'm not, I can't think of anybody right off the top of my head who I'm harboring unforgiveness 
or that I'm really mad at or anything like that. But let me read for you a passage of scripture found in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. The author of Hebrews writes and he says, See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. No bitter root. The author here, God, is giving us, he's giving us an incredible metaphor that I think helps us understand this in at least two ways. One, let me relate it this way. We have some trees that grow right next to our house. And uh, they have roots that, that obviously come out from the trees. And uh, those roots, they're, they're kind of shallow, some of the roots. Uh, you can't see them, but every once in a while, actually often, um, these little branches or little baby trees come springing up from those roots. Well, I'll go cut those things down because I don't want them there. And what happens just within a couple of months? They're back. Why? Because I didn't take care of the root problem. Even though I took care of the little baby tree that was growing up, the root is still there, so it keeps shooting up little baby trees. Well, the second way we can look at this metaphor is that roots are underground, right? We don't see them typically. Every once in a while you see roots on top, I get it. But, but most of the time, roots are underground. But roots can cause tremendous damage if they're in the wrong space, right? I mean, if you've got a septic tank, you don't want a tree growing near your septic tank, right? Because why? Those roots will go down in there and they'll get in the septic tank and they'll mess it up and cost you thousands of dollars in damage to replace it. The point is this, is that you and I, if we allow bitterness to have these roots, these underground things that we don't see until the damage is already done, right? You don't see the damage happening to your septic tank until your toilets don't flush. But the roots were there and they were causing issues and they were causing damage. You didn't even know it. We've got to make sure that, that we don't harbor bitterness or unforgiveness in our lives. You know, I sometimes think on the surface, we don't have a problem. I know this past week I thought, I don't have a problem with unforgiveness. Everything's good. But you know what? I came to that passage and I thought, all right, well, God, do I have unforgiveness in my life? Do I have bitterness in my life towards someone? And the honest answer to that was yes. I had to stop and pray. And God shined his light and, on me and said, you know, look. And, I, and as soon as God brought that person's name to mind, it's like, you know what? I don't really like that person right now. I mean, just honestly, I wasn't thinking about them all the time, but, but honestly, that was what was going on. Listen, it was a hard exercise, and I'm, I'm not at liberty to... Uh, let me be clear, it's not anybody in my family, it's not anybody in this room, just in case you were wondering. It was a hard exercise, but it was very, very good. This person, they didn't even realize that they had wronged me, Okay? but I was harboring unforgiveness and bitterness towards them. I, there was a process that I walked through that I learned from a friend of mine. I will share with you that process in just a few moments, so we'll come back to that in just a second. Before we get to that process, let me remind you what Jesus has to say about forgiveness. Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. Uh, there's a story there. Jesus tells a parable. Let me recap for you what's going on there. Peter's talking to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, how many times are we to forgive people? And I think in Peter's mind, he's going, you know what? I'm going to say seven times, because I, if I say a lot, like, and I guess he thought seven was a lot, um, that Jesus was going to give him the gold star for the day. Jesus' response to him was, no, 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 it's not seven. It's 77 times. In other words, Jesus is saying, you take what you think it is, and you blow it up a whole lot more. You just keep forgiving people. You keep forgiving them. No matter what happens, you keep forgiving them. And then he tells the parable of a king and a servant. 
So in this, in this parable, what happens here is the, the king is settling accounts with his servants. And there's a servant who owes him a bazillion dollars. And for the record, it doesn't say a bazillion, but it says a lot of money. More than anyone could pay back. And the king orders the servant and his family sold. The servant begs time to be able to pay the king back. And the king takes pity on the servant and he cancels the debt and lets him go. And then the servant goes out and he's walking down the road and he finds his buddy. His buddy owes him 50 bucks. And he goes to his buddy and says, hey, look, you owe me 50 bucks. I need it now. And his buddy says, you know, I don't have the 50 bucks. I need time. And the guy says, and chokes him and says, if you don't pay me back, I'm sending you to jail. God says, I can't pay you back. So the servant does what? He sends him to jail. Well, the king hears about this. And the king is mad. The king is upset. You know what? He he punishes the servant for not forgiving. Listen, there's a lot that we can unpack about this whole passage, but I want us to, to look at the king as our example of how we are to forgive. We look at the king as our model. So if we're looking at the king as the model of forgiveness, what do we do? We know this. The king canceled the debt. The king canceled it. Now, to be sure, this doesn't mean necessarily that If someone was to crash your car, it doesn't mean that you you don't get them to pay you back for your car. What it is teaching and referring to is that when people wrong you emotionally, when people offend you, that you cancel that debt emotionally. You don't hold on to that debt. Let me explain it this way. When someone wrongs you, do you ever say these words, what goes around comes around? You ever say that? Some of y'all do. I know you do. Or, or villains in movies. Don't you like it when villains in movies get what they have coming to them? I do. I absolutely love it when the good guys win. Anybody else like it when the good guys win? Okay, a few of you. The rest of people are sick in the head. If you've seen the movie Tombstone, one of my absolute favorite movies, the story of Wyatt Earp. And, you know, there's the cowboys, the bad guys. Uh, they're 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 pushing on Wyatt and his friends, and there's a scene at the towards the end of the movie where Wyatt has just had enough, and they're on a, a I think it's a train depot kind of an area, and Ike Clanton has come out there, and and White a little bit of fighting happens, and and White Earp standing over Ike with a gun to his head, and he's he's basically he's about to uh, let Ike go before he says something to him, he takes his spur and kind of rips his cheek, and you're like, yeah, man, get it because you just hated Ike. If you've seen the movie, you hated Ike. And he says, you go back to your friends and you tell them I'm coming. And he says, somebody's coming with me. And you can look at the movie later on for the rest of the story on all of that. But we like when that kind of stuff happens. I mean, I remember seeing that movie in the theater. And when that happened, everybody was like, yeah, go get them. Maybe we were sick back then. I don't know. But people loved seeing the good guys win and the bad guys get it coming to them. But let me ask you this question. Aren't you glad that you don't get what's coming to you? From God's perspective. I am so thankful that I don't get what I deserve from God. I like for other people to get what they deserve. But I'm thankful that I don't get what I deserve. The second thing we learn from the king is that we take pity. We take pity on someone. Remember the king took pity on the servant. Pity in our world and our day and time has a terrible connotation. We don't like using it very much. It's a word you don't hear very often at the very least. But let me share with you, the the Greek word for the word pity meant or means to be moved with compassion for somebody else's misery. The guy in the car on the interstate last Saturday night, he took pity on me. He was moved by compassion because he saw a dude there that 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 was stuck. 
and he had compassion on me, and he helped me get out of a very dangerous situation. Well, here's how we take pity on somebody. When someone wrongs you, it's easy to see and to say how bad they are. We say things like, I can't believe they lied to us. Or, can you believe this person said so-and-so? Or, I can't believe they cheated me on the deal. You say those kinds of things sometimes? The answer to that is yes. We do that. However, we do those very same things, don't we? But when we do it, we justify it. We, we give it an excuse which makes it okay. Kind of a dumb illustration. I'll go ahead and admit to you it's a dumb illustration. If you speed, you realize you're sinning, you're breaking government laws, and what does Scripture tell us? You're not supposed to break laws, right? How many of y'all speed? Anybody? How many of you, when you speed, you say these words to yourself? I have to go this fast because if I don't, people will run me over. Right? All you're doing is justifying your sin. But when we leave here today, don't do that. But the reality is this. I mean, put any sin in there. We justify it. When it's us, we make up an excuse. When it's somebody else, we vilify them. We say, I can't believe they would do something like that. So here's what I'm asking you to do. When we take, to take pity on somebody, instead of looking at the differences and saying, I can't believe how bad this person is and look how awesome I am, you go, you know what? Here's how bad this person is, but I've done those same things. I've done those same things. Because see, when you start to look for similarities between one another, you know what happens? You realize you're not much different than them, and they're not much different than you. And it's easier than to have compassion on somebody when you realize that they're really not bad, evil people. They're people just like you. Then what do we do based on what the king said and did? The king let his servant go. Often we say, I don't, I don't want to forgive. I want justice to happen. Here's the reality with unforgiveness, especially if it's that kind of the, the bitter root that's inside that we don't let go, we end up really only hurting ourselves. And oftentimes, the offending party that's over here, they have no idea. They have no idea that they even offended you. But if you hold on to that unforgiveness, you know you're not hurting the person over here, even if they know it. You're not hurting them. You're hurting yourself. It causes you time, energy, or it costs you time, energy, and uh, confusion. It causes stress in your life. And stress isn't good for you. By holding on to things and not letting go, you actually are hurting yourself, not the other person. So how do we forgive like that? How do we learn to do that? Well, let me give you a verse uh, found in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. I encourage you to write it down, read it, memorize it, look at it every day, especially if there's a day where somebody offends you. Look back to this verse. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 says this, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. God's forgiven you, right? If God has forgiven you, then we have, we have to forgive other people. You can choose not to, but you're compelled to forgive other people. Memorize this verse. Make it one of your life verses. You see, when you and I fully grasp how much God has forgiven us, we're overwhelmed by His grace and His generosity. And then we're compelled to love others. Now, I promised you I was going to give you a, a few practical steps of things that you could do to forgive people. These come from a friend of mine named Bruce Hebel. 
He's written a book called Forgiving Forward. If you have a, a big problem with forgiving, I encourage you to get that book. It's a good one, and it'll help you through it. But here are five of, of the steps that he talks about to help people forgive. These are the five steps that I walked through this past week when God brought to mind somebody that I needed to forgive. And here's step number one. Thank God that God has forgiven me. The first step is to thank God that He has forgiven me. Why? Because this totally changes the focus. It puts the focus on God and His love and His mercy for us and not on the person or even the problem that's going on. The second thing that we're to do is we repent of our sin. I repented of my sin of unforgiveness. We don't forgive people. It really is a sin because it goes against God's character. God's character and His nature is His love. God's character His nature is to offer forgiveness. And when we don't, we're going against that. So we have to repent of that sin of unforgiveness. And then step number three, a very practical step here. There's a sentence that's going to come up on the screen. You forgive each offense by filling the blanks of this sentence. This says, Lord, I choose to forgive blank. You put their name in there. From my heart for blank. Put whatever the offense is in there. And you walk. If there's multiple offenses, multiple people, you do it for every one of them. Now, In my case this week, the person had no idea that what they had done caused me bitterness or unforgiveness. There was no need for me to go to that person and ask them for forgiveness because forgiveness really is on my end. I extend forgiveness. I choose to to give that. So if there's someone in your life that you need to forgive, you know what, honestly, maybe it may be somebody from so far gone in the past that they've, they've, they've passed away. They're not here any longer. You can still do this. You can still choose to forgive them. And God brings healing through all of that. Then number four person still on the earth, you ask God to bless the person. You ask God to bless them because, why? It gets, again, the focus off of us. I promise you, as you begin praying for people, you can't always pray for somebody, even if you start out not liking them, and your heart not be changed. When you pray for that person on a daily basis, God will change your heart for that person. And then number five, you commit to remember the offense no more. You choose to say, I'm not going to remember this anymore. Now, the reality is it's going to come back up. Why? Because Satan, the accuser, is going to come back to you and say, Hey, John, you remember that? Remember that person over there? They wronged you. But when that happens, I then get to say, Get behind me, Satan. I'm not listening to you because I've already chosen to forgive that person for that offense. Not only are we to be generous in our forgiveness... But you and I, as followers of Christ, we are to be generous in our time, our talents, and our treasure. Remember, that. let me read for you again the third part of the gospel prayer. As you have been to me, so I will be to others. Let me read for you two passages of scripture. The first one is found, write these down, uh, you may not have time to turn there. But 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. And then I'm going to flip over to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And then flipping over to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 8, it says this, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself, made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. You see, that's what God did for us. 
That's what Jesus did for us, right? He paid an incredible price for you and I. He became human. He lived on this earth. He lived lived a perfect life, but he lived here with all that was going on and was tempted. Yet in his love for us, he went to the cross and died a terrible death so that you and I could know him. So that people all over the world could know who he is and have our sins forgiven and be reconciled to God. To do what? To ultimately bring glory to God. Because he loves you and I and people. Boggles my mind that God would do that. And if God did that for us, that is how we're to live for other people. We're to make sacrifices of our time to help people. Remember the man that helped me? He was on his way somewhere. He was dressed nice. looked like he was going on a date with his spouse. Yet he stopped, put himself in danger, and helped me. We're to make sacrifices of our talents. Now you may think to yourself, I don't have a talent. Yeah, you do. Every one of us has some kind of talent, but all of us have hands and feet. Use them. Think back to the guy who helped me. He wasn't a mechanic. He didn't come fix my car. But he got out of his car using his hands and his feet. He walked over and he helped push my car out of the way and got me out of a terrible, dangerous spot. We're to make sacrifices with our money and giving generously. As followers of Christ, we're to give generously to God through the local church that we belong to. And we're to give generously to folks who need help. Why? Because when we give generously, it reflects God's heart back to Him and to people. We mirror God. And it also helps us to break free from materialism. Finally, you and I as followers of Christ, we're to be generous in telling other people about who Jesus is, about the good news of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, Jesus gives us some very clear instructions on how we're to live our lives. It's a familiar passage to us. Passage is saying basically that Jesus is talking and he says, Look, go and make disciples of people. It's a very short summary of that, what's going on there. But go make disciples. In other words, go tell people about who I am. Tell them about me so that their lives can be changed as well. Here at Dogwood, we have a very simple strategy for that that you've heard us talk about before. But let me remind you again our strategy of evangelism is very, very simple. It's investing in people and inviting people. We invest in the lives of people. In other words, that you and I as followers of Christ need to have and form relationships with people that are outside the walls of this church. And that they don't go to church anywhere else. We invest into them. We become friends with them. We get to know them. And we invite them to do, one, uh, to do two things. One is to come to church where they can belong, where they can know and be known, where they can serve and be served where they can love and be loved, where they can mourn and have people to mourn alongside with them when life calls for that. But also, and more importantly, we're to invite them into a relationship with Christ. In other words, you and I have a responsibility, according to what Jesus said in Matthew 28, to tell people about Him. We're to give, what that's called is to give a verbal witness. You're to tell people about God's love, about who Jesus is. So I have a question for you. My question for you is this. Will you be like the man who stopped on an incredibly busy and dangerous interstate to help someone who he didn't know 
get out of a predicament that he didn't create, will you be like that guy who also was marrying Jesus, by the way? Are you willing to say to people, okay, I will help you. I'll forgive you. Are you willing to say to people, okay, I'll help you. I'll be generous. Are you willing to say, okay, I'll help you. I'll be the one to tell you about Christ and to get you connected to a local church. Are you willing to do that? I'm telling you, listen, Dogwood Church, if we pray that prayer, that part of the gospel prayer, as you have been to me, so I will be to other others, God will transform our hearts. And He will transform this community. He will transform the places where you work, where you live, where you play. Why? Because His heart and desire is that people will come to know Him. And when we then begin to live obediently by treating others as He has treated us, you know what happens? The gospel message spreads to other people. They'll see it and they'll want to be a part of the same thing. Let me ask you to bow your head and close your eyes for a few moments. I'm going to ask the band to go ahead and make their way up on the stage. Many of you, if not most of you in this room, are already followers of Christ. If that's you, then I'd like to ask you to pray for these next few moments. Pray for people in this room who don't yet know who He is. Pray that they would respond to the gospel message. You can pray also that you would be able to live the kind of life that reflects this part of the gospel prayer. A life that says, okay, I'll help and give forgiveness. I'll live generously with my time, talents, and treasure, and I'll share Christ. As you are praying for that, let me, let me talk to a few other people in this room. In a group this size, in a room this size, stats tell us that there are people here that don't yet know who Jesus is. Listen, you may have grown up in church, but you don't have a relationship with Christ. You're not a follower of Christ. Or this may be your first time here. But regardless, if you know right now you don't know Jesus, you don't have, you're not following Him, You can change that right now by responding to God's grace and gift of salvation. You can do that by praying a prayer like this. And don't worry if you don't get the words just right. God's concerned about what's going on inside of you. You can tell God this. Lord Jesus, to the best that I understand it, I ask you to come into my life to be my leader. In other words, God, I give you complete and total control of my life, of who I am. And to be my forgiver. God, forgive me for me going my own way and not yours. Now listen, if you prayed that prayer, still in the attitude of of prayer with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer this morning, the Bible says you are a brand new creation. You are now a follower of Jesus. And we as a church, we want to help you on that journey. And So you can let us know about the decision on the back of the communication card that Rachel spoke of earlier in the service. There's a spot on the back of that card where you you can check a box box that says, Today, I'm choosing to become a follower of Christ. If you'll check that box, you can turn that communication card in in just a few moments when the offering baskets pass. Or if you want to speak with someone today, there'll be people on the front left-hand side of the auditorium and they'll help you on this journey. We want to help you on this journey of following Jesus. Father God, thank you so much for this morning. God, we thank you for your generous love for us. God, help us to live generously for everyone that we come in contact with. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.
Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information about Dogwood Church, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org.